2: and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning show in our 13th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community.
3: Good evening. I'm William Hosea. As defined, affordable housing is housing deemed affordable to those with a median household income as rated by country, state, region, or municipality by a recognized housing affordability index. And we're going we're gonna to
2: break that down. Bloomington is a diverse community, rich with cultural, educational, and economic opportunities for its residents. The large and growing student population affects housing costs and availability, particularly with Bloomington having the highest fair market rental prices in the state. Our city consequently faces challenges in its ability to provide a range of housing options for non-students, especially those at low and moderate income levels. During
3: the next hour, we'll be in conversation with four individuals to help us comprehend the full scope of affordable housing in Bloomington. Joining us are Donald Griffin, owner and CEO of Griffin Realty and president of the Bloomington Redevelopment Redevelopment Commission. Amber Scobie, executive director of the Bloomington Housing Authority and Deborah Meyerson, executive director of South Central Indiana Housing. Also Tim Ballard with uh, Griffin Realty. Um, Don, Amber, Deborah, and Tim, welcome to Bring It On.
2: Welcome, indeed. Okay. Thanks for bringing us. Yeah,
0: Thank
4: thanks you for having us. Bringing us on,
0: I guess.
3: So, Don, back on the 8th of May, you posted an article from the Huffington Post uh, titled America's Housing Crisis is Spreading to Smaller Cities. So, although that article focused on Boise, Idaho, while reading it, I thought to myself, this may as well be Bloomington, Indiana. The article highlighted some of the challenges to affordable housing, such as rising rents and displacement caused by gentrification. And one thing in particular, um, the article said, is only going to get worse as the poor get pushed inward from the coast. And as young workers seek out the few affordable places left, they will arrive in America's smaller cities, which may not be ready to take them. So with that, uh, Amber, I want to pivot to you. And by the way, this is Amber's second time on the show. She had a promotion since. Now she's executive director. What What was your title before?
4: The assistant director. Of yeah, the blowing, up, blowing up,
3: blowing <laughs> up. Anyhow, so in Bloomington, do we have an affordable housing crisis, or do we just have a serious problem? How How would you characterize it?
4: That's a tough question. Um, like you mentioned in the opening, Monroe County has the highest housing costs in the state of Indiana. And from the Housing Authority's perspective and the low-income renters that we serve, there just never seems to be enough rental assistance um, to go around. So, for instance, our wait list for our voucher program has over 1,300 families on it. And for our public housing program, um, 61 families are on that wait list. A couple years ago, we did a community needs assessment, which determined for every low income family needing to rent, um, there are only 14 um, units available for every 100 families looking.
2: Now, one of the things we've kind of talked about before the show started was, what is affordable housing? Can I get a definition from the Mm -hmm. panel here of what their definition actually is of affordable housing? You want to take that, Deborah?
1: Sure. I, it's a fairly straightforward formula, at least that's been used by different subsidies. It's 30% of your income is, is what you're considered affordable to spend uh, per month. That includes both rent plus utilities, uh, but that would be what you spend. So if you earn $900 a month, you'd be spending no more than $300 a month on rent and utilities.
2: Now, Don, in purchasing a home, is that same uh, calculation uh, basically the... S- the calculation basically the same?
0: Yes, it is. Yes. And
2: how much are realtors or banks looking for for a person to purchase just a moderately median-priced home? Um, if, you're, if you're talking about down are you asking me about
0: down payment? Oh, my gosh. There's all kinds of programs out there. 3% down, sometimes 100% loans if you're out, outside a certain uh, area um, where you're not putting down any money. Uh, you still have closing costs. and. Uh, but at a certain price range, I mean, um, two hundred and fifty or less, uh, your you, sellers are usually paying for closing costs, and closing costs are anywhere from two thousand to thirty-seven hundred dollars. You know, when you're looking at houses in that price range, um, so you can end up with bringing no money to closing if you're if you're if you're careful. Um, so that's not the right now. That's actually not our problem. Our biggest problem is finding affordable housing. Yeah, you know, we've got people that uh, that have done everything that their parents and grandparents told them to do. You know, work really hard, um, pay your debts, do all that, those kind of things, uh, have great credit, um, but uh, you know, when when our average housing prices are two hundred and I mean, I, one, one uh, we had the U, uh, what is it? Um, the ULI. Yeah, uh, urban land development folks, in, and they were saying that our average is actually 271000 for a house.
2: Here in Monroe County? Here
0: in Monroe County, yeah. whereas uh, the, the state average is somewhere around 140, dollars So um, it's getting, you know, the, you, people are doing what they can, and there's, there's not enough houses. That's only going to continue to get, get worse.
3: So Tim, what kind of trends are you seeing in the rental housing market?
5: I mean, I think uh, as we all kind of, you know, know in the context of, um, you know, home prices in general and the, the levels uh, they're reaching, really on an hourly basis, they're increasing. You know, we talk about this market ceiling um, that used to change, you know, every, every few years, went to every few months, goes to weekly. It's honestly where we're recalculating kind of data points on an hourly level. Uh, in terms of home prices, now how that correlates into you know the rental marketplace when we have downtown um, you know buildings looking at pricing in the realm of uh, you know thousand to eleven $1, hundred to twelve hundred um, for one bedrooms um, and again you know we work with a, a large array of of, of clients um, from large uh, student housing multi unit development um, to just what we're talking about everyday people uh, looking to you know, buy buy a home, and um, you know, and where that kind of can take them in the world. Um, that influence of of high uh, rental prices downtown, and how we make it affordable for the everyday, you know, an IU student who maybe has to work one or two jobs. Um, you know, that's kind of where we delve more and more into the off market realm um, to find things that people don't know about. Um, people that, that haven't rented their house out before that are saying they, they would be able to. Because, again, it points to if there's nothing out there and the inventory is so low, what do we have to do? We have to go out and create inventory. And we do that for home buyers as, as well as people in the rental marketplace.
2: Now, that, that's an interesting statement because as I drive around Bloomington and Monroe County, all I see is buildings being erected everywhere, it seems. High and rises. High rises. And we're still at a loss for art, we still need housing, more housing? Where are the people coming from? Those, all those have,
0: I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Do Donald, wanna, please. All those are for students. They're, they're not creating housing for uh, working class folks or just uh, the, the working community in general. Uh, not, that, not that we don't need, I mean, I know a lot of people are gonna say, more student housing? We are going to need even more student housing. This this university is growing leaps and bounds every year, and we're not going to have a, we're, we're not going to have enough housing at all if we're not careful.
3: So. Well, the, does the university have uh, since they're kind of driving this whole issue? Do they have a responsibility to address it?
1: That's a great question. I, I think that's, that's certainly, I think, opportune time for the Indiana University to come to the table uh, and be part of the discussion. Mm-hmm. I know that, for example, Monroe County recently appointed an Affordable Housing Advisory Commission. Uh, they haven't appointed people to, on it yet, but they have authorized that it's going to be taking place. And I'd love to see IU at the table for part of that discussion. Or if the city were to do something comparable, again, IU, I think IU is bringing in about 1,000 students a year. Um and there's no way that we can keep up with that rate of housing. And that's partly what creates the pressure on housing prices is when you don't have enough supply, prices go up. Right. And that's what we're seeing now.
2: Supply and demand. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So what what portion of the population is affected most by this problem? Uh you, you, you
0: do you want to go or do you want to take it? Um you know, it's 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 uh it it's funny. Um there's been a crunch for really affordable housing for quite some time. And now it's creeping up into the middle class and upper middle class. And now it becomes a problem for everyone. I mean, I, I'm, I, I hate to go there, but it's, it's, it's a trend that happens over and over again where the disenfranchised folks, like when, when they're in pain, people say, I feel your pain, but they don't want to do anything about it but when it starts to creep up and it gets to hitting us you know uh, um a certain income level yeah then 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 it becomes a problem we're having problems you know our affordable housing that we're looking for now is 200 to 270 thousand dollars and there's not enough housing and and uh One example, I can think of a house that was on the market. Uh, We we wrote an offer on this house for, it was on the market for one ninety seven. dollars This was like two weeks ago. $197,000. Our people come in at $225,000, okay? We still didn't get the house. They came back and said, "Um, you can be a backup offer for $226,000. And that's just one example of... Of uh, uh, of a, and we're not talking about this wasn't a this is a fifteen hundred square foot ranch in can I say the neighbor like yeah they're not my clients uh uh fifteen hundred square foot house in Sherwood Oaks you know I mean this is a typical middle class neighborhood uh, nice middle class neighborhood but uh, uh, neighborhoods that you'd think
2: are within reach are now being pushed outside of the reach of folks. So low-income people, people on a fixed income, what in the world are they doing?
4: At the Housing Authority, our rents are based on income. So one on a fixed income would only pay 30% of their adjusted monthly income. We can eliminate some things if they have high health care costs or those types of Items might be um, taken out of the rent calculation, Um, but our public housing, we do serve a lot of folks who are on a fixed income. They might be elderly or disabled, and having access to our programs um, helps them to stabilize their housing costs, and they can concentrate on other things like taking care of their health, just aging in place and having a good quality of life.
3: So, Deborah, you you are a director of uh, South Central Indiana Housing Opportunities, which is a nonprofit, right? Created for the express purpose of of addressing affordable housing. So, what about the Bloomington Housing Authority? So, what are some of the uh, approaches that you take?
1: Sure, we we try and approach the housing needs from a variety of angles. We do have a project that many folks have heard about now called Switchyard Apartments. That will be, when totally built out, a total of 16 units, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's awesome. And we're delighted to have it going. And we need to add to the supply, but new construction takes a lot of money, especially for um, for affordable units. That the cost of construction is much higher than what the income brings in from the rents, and then. it, it takes a while. So, you know, we first started talking about this in March of 2017. It'll open for occupancy first quarter 2019. So we're talking, you know, two years between, you know, concept to delivery. So we need to look at other ways to address housing needs. Um, some of the ways that we're doing that includes trying to give especially renters better resources to make them more uh have more to, to have stable sources of housing. So we've recently launched a new website called org. It's housing number dot org, And it is meant to provide a variety of resources that help people understand what their rights are as tenants, as well as help landlords understand how to best create a stable and sustainable relationship that creates long-term housing uh, success for everybody. Tim, so,
3: you look like you really want to get in there. No, she's
5: yeah. good. No, no, no. No, well, I, I wanted to not interrupt, but I, I wanted to as Deborah walked into the room, um, I told her, you know, hey, I, I've got a, a story to share and I'm really glad we're all sitting down to this and these are more conversations needing to happen. Um, I told Deborah, you know, we had a client, uh, we had a person walk through our doors last week, you know, looking for a home and we just, like any client, they walk through our doors, we're, we're going to sit them down and we're going to let them tell, our, tell their story so we can kind of get a sense of where they want to be and how they want to get there and how we can be a part of that. and they they started asking about you know prices up to $25,000 and I and I and I said you know that's a that's a number that's a number and it really gave me pause though and then we went up a little bit further and a little bit further and we were able to find one house one home in Monroe County within this uh you know threshold of price and so immediately what we did is we switched over to, because we've worked, we've sat down with Deborah and Amber both over the last um, several months, and we are really you know, amazed, I think, of what they have put together in such a short period of time. And we realized that, that we had to collaborate. We had to not be able to tell that person and throw our hands up like we feel like on a given base, daily basis we say, you know, sorry, there's, there's no houses out there. That's, that's not true. That's so far from the truth. We have to go find them. And we had to provide the resources, so we ended up giving some of the resources that Deborah had shared with us on um, some affordable housing resources and information, and the um, the website that she had just mentioned. Because we realized that you know we're we're a for profit business, and Deborah's group is a non for profit business. Um, however, we've we've got to all work collectively and collaborate right. and provide the resources to you know help bring this together.
0: Yeah, we can't. I didn't mean to, but but. You know, I don't think we all can be happy if everybody isn't happy. Does that make sense? I mean, if everybody doesn't have housing and food, and uh, uh, I think we ha- we we Bloomington as a community has to grow together because it's growing and it's growing for folks with money. I mean, it's growing in a positive way. But if we don't uh, collectively sit down and say, let's be a community for everyone. We we're, it's it's not going to be a place that anyone anyone is going to want to live. Um but what I was also going to say you admit you had asked um about um what do these what do where do people go? Um we're losing people. We're losing good people uh going into they're they're going into other uh counties. They're getting out of uh Bloomington and Monroe County and they are uh, uh, going, uh, out of, out of county. I think we were, we were talking to a fire, a fireman at the, at, the, at our office. And I think they were saying that the majority of their, of the firemen live outside of, yeah. uh, uh, of, of the county, or at least I may, was it the county or the city? Were you there? Do you remember? No, never mind. No, I wasn't there. Okay.
2: Well, obviously we have a huge problem in the county and the city. What have I, and we have programs here where the it's being addressed. What else can be done by the citizens, our legislators, just everyone in general, as Don said, because this is something that's gonna take everyone.
1: I'm gonna chime in with that. I think we need a dedicated source of revenue for a housing trust fund, because the current sources of funding just aren't gonna be able to pay for the needs that we have. And so we need policy that's gonna help drive what the needs are, but we also need money to back it up. And so, I mean, there are many communities that have established what that dedicated source of revenue is. Um, I'm delighted that the city has a housing development fund now, but that's not based on a reliable source of income. And so I think the next step is to look at what that could be. And I think that's going to be an important tool in the toolbox to really get to increasing the supply, because that increase in supply is going to make a huge help in lowering the cost for everybody.
3: And it's interesting that you, uh, you mentioned, uh, Uh, a a trust fund for for affordable housing, because going back to that article that I mentioned earlier, it also says that there are all being in a red state. There are all the challenges of being located in a red state. Uh, Like a lot of the red states have restrictions on developers preventing them, uh, uh, local governments from requiring set asides for affordable housing. And one of the other things that they uh, prevent are trust funds for affordable housing. But do we see any of that in our area being uh, and we're in one of the reddest states in the country?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the state recently banned inclusionary zoning which the city was looking into as a mm-hmm. tool for providing affordable housing in uh, new developments. Um, our state's also um, kind of blocked um, any local government from landlords' Um, banning potential voucher clients because of source of income. So uh, landlords can deny uh, some voucher holders uh, because they are a voucher holder. Mm-hmm. Um, other more progressive states have said, you know, you can't, they have a, a source of income um, protection. And so that would be great. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. our state legislature has passed uh, laws not allowing that.
3: Pro business. So Amber, I also wanted to ask you uh, in addition to SIHO, which is kind of uh, a different approach to addressing the housing, what are some of the other uh, programs or, or, or uh, ways that, that the Housing Authority is looking at addressing this? I, I know we have um, RAD,
1: hmm. and
3: I'll let you spell out the acronym. <laughs> uh, we both attended a NARO conference a little, a little while ago, and they really stressed partnership developments. Mm -hmm. And some of them were very creative. So why don't you talk about that a little bit?
4: Well, it's challenging. Uh, Most of our funding comes from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, a federal source of funding. And overall, the climate, it's not politically popular to invest in housing authorities, and it probably won't continue. um, We won't see much funding increase in the future. So, we really have to address these things as an agency and with local solutions. Uh, full disclosure, William is also on the Board of Commissioners for the Housing Authority and the board and some of our key staff have been participating in a strategic planning session saying, what can we do to keep our programs and the housing that we have viable and um, available to the next generations, the next couple generations who might need this? So. We really have a culture shift going on at the Housing Authority. We need to address things locally. We need to look um, to other groups, um, not just HUD for funding. We need to be more entrepreneurial. Um, There are some programs out there. One's a rental assistance demonstration program that would... Um, change our public housing funding to more of a private sector model, more of a voucher um, funding model. So that's something that we're exploring as if it's a good fit for our community or not. Um, there's something called moving to work, which if our agency was designated as a moving to work we would have more flexibility in how we spend our HUD dollars and also um, the regulations that govern our programs. We could have some flexibility. It sounds like a you must get a job or lose your voucher kind of a program with moving to work, but it's not necessarily that way. Um, we can be flexible in um, spending money on landlord recruitment, for instance, or more wraparound services for families who um, might struggle staying housed or who do want to increase their earned income. Uh, we can just be a little more creative, whereas now the trend has been that you run a public housing program or you run a housing choice voucher, Section 8 program, you have regulations, you stick with those and, but now we're seeing that we we really need to change our direction a bit and try to be more creative in, in meeting our housing need, doing more with less, essentially. There's other f- special voucher programs that we're looking into. One's called the Family Unification Program Voucher and a Mainstream Voucher. So those give housing assistance to some very specialized, vulnerable populations in our community. So I just want to say that Um, My staff has been great at trying to stay ahead, um, to know what's going on, to take advantage of um, programs that are out there, especially at the federal level, and and to make sure we're bringing those back to Bloomington and Monroe County.
2: All righty. For our listening audience, we're with we have Donald Griffin and Tim Ballard from Griffin Realty. We have Amber Scoby from the Bloomington Housing Authority and Deborah Meyerson from the South Central Indiana Housing Opportunities. Deborah, uh, I know you're gonna be have to leave us in a couple of minutes. Will you let our listening audience know a little bit more about your program, how they can contact you and um, Just give us a spiel.
1: Sure. Thank you. Um, So we, as a nonprofit, are dedicated to expanding housing opportunities for low and moderate income households in Bloomington, Monroe County, and surrounding counties. And um, we really love to hear from folks, hear what their needs and issues are, because we're continually developing our program areas to, again, both be new construction, but also other ways that program elements can help support housing needs in the community. Um, Our uh, website is... S-C-I-H-O, dot org, uh, And we welcome people to check out our website, look at our other programs. We also have are on Facebook. Uh, and so welcome you to uh, take a look at what we're posting on Facebook. We often try and post articles of interest that kind of expand knowledge about housing, both in the community and, and outside uh, as well, in terms of understanding affordable housing needs.
3: What about the housing for Hoosiers?
1: Housing for Hoosiers is also a great resource that we encourage people to take a look at. It's got information about how to find your housing, how to keep it, uh, what it means to keep your security deposit, how to read your lease, uh, lots of information about fair housing, uh, accessible housing, lots of information that we found were scattered across a lot of different places in the community, and we sought to create Housing for Hoosiers as a way to centralize that as a one-stop shop for folks. So that's housing number four,
3: is there a phone number or do, do you prefer people visit the website?
1: The website really is the best place to reach us. Okay. You can certainly um, use our contact information to uh, get in touch that way too, but that's the most, the the probably the best way to reach us.
3: Excellent. So um, getting back to what uh, Amber was talking about, as if we don't have enough problems addressing affordable housing already, Last year's Republican tax plan removed a subsidy for affordable housing developers. And just last week, Amber, you already know this, HUD secretary announced that his department was shrinking federal housing subsidies. You (laughs) want to go into any detail about that?
4: Oh, sure. So there's kind of a lot to pay attention to at the federal level. Um, We kind of got lucky with the 2018 omnibus bill we saw hud housing uh, programs receive a 10 percent increase in funding and that's you know was was a great thing but we're not sure if that's going to continue over the next couple years especially as some of the implications of the new tax law take place you know we might have less revenue therefore um, less federal dollars to spend on these types of programs there are some changes too with um, what's the value of low income housing tax credits, which is the largest current funding mechanism of low income housing construction, um, that is falling. And combine that with rising construction costs, it's it's getting really harder and harder to finance affordable housing. And so local governments might need to fill in that gap that's not covered by tax credits. And so those changes in the, corp- in the tax code and a lower corporate tax rate would mean that those tax credit investors might have less of a reason to put equity into affordable housing because they're exchanging those tax credits that they're buying to offset their tax credit liability. So overall, um, less funding uh, for HUD programs and tax credits also taking a hit. There's also some talk about some rent reform where low-income families might be paying more in their rents, changing the 30% of their adjusted monthly income towards rent to 35%. And then also, um, tripling the minimum rent requirement. Right now at our housing authority, it's $50. So that would mean a family with no income, literally no income would pay $150 a month in rent. So that's a little concerning um, because we feel like families might not be successful in staying housed. And as housing authorities collect more in rent, our subsidy might decrease. And so the fear of that is that uh, decrease in for need of subsidy from the federal government, They might just continue with um, cutting our subsidy programs.
3: Okay, we're going to take a break right now, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some stats that specifically affect the African-American community here in uh, Bloomington and Monroe County.
5: Oh, mm-hmm. oh,
3: Support for WFHB comes from Russian Recording. Russian Recording is a full service analog and digital recording studio in downtown Bloomington that has contributed to more than a thousand records since 2003. The studio provides mixing, recording, and mastering services. More information online at RussianRecording.com and from Limestone Post, an independent magazine covering Bloomington and the surrounding areas. Introducing their first print edition, an art magazine dedicated to local history and a sense of place, with a corresponding art show and release party at the Eiffel Gallery on June 1st from 6 to 9. More information online at limestonepost.com.
0: you actually have the number? Do
4: you? This is
3: the one. Do we have to go? Okay, and we are back. Uh, Like I said before, we went on a break. We want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the stats and numbers that uh, directly affect the African-American community here in Bloomington. Back in uh, February of this year, I kind of did a uh, state of the black community address at City Hall, so I want to share some of the information that I passed in. Starting off, when you look at the population of uh, Monroe County, about 145,000, about 3.6% of that population, or 5,200, is black or African American. So when we look at some of the housing uh, stats, when you look at owner-occupied homes, um, break that down by demographics, about 93.8% are owned by the white community, only 1.4% of those homes, that's about 29,000, and uh, about 412 of those homes are owned by blacks. And when we move over to the rental housing market, the number for blacks jumps up to 4.69%, um, as opposed to whites, 79.8%. And throughout all of this, and I, and I hope you can... Uh, uh, stay with me while I'm throwing out all these numbers. But the black and Hispanic community were kind of on par up until we get into public housing units. And that's when the black population jumped from 469 to 15%. Um, the Hispanic community went down to 1% once we got into public housing. So then we we took a look at Housing Choice Voucher, or with commonly known as Section 8 The black community jumps up to 20 percent and the hispanic community stayed at right right around at two percent but when you look at this look at the whole picture uh if you start from privately owned homes and then we make our way to rentals public housing and section eight our numbers increase all the way across so the further we move away from privately owned homes, which is considered the American dream, the the, the larger our numbers are. If you look at it in reverse, the closer, if you start at uh, Section 8 and then you move closer to privately owned homes, our numbers shrink dramatically. So there's so, uh, a 1.4 to 20% uh, spread in there. So I wanted to ask uh, Don, uh, what if anything what kind of trends are you seeing in in uh black home ownership and uh Tim if you can address uh rentals by african americans in this community wow um i'm still
0: you know i was at that i mean you know the uh that's when, yeah when we presented those numbers yeah. uh but hearing it again it's it's it saddens me so i'm kind of thrown for a loop there we're talking about less than ten percent of African Americans that live in this community have
3: home ownership. Less than uh, less than two percent.
0: Le- is it less than two percent? Yeah, oh, one point four percent. one4 percent. Yeah. Oh man. Um. Because you said five thousand 50, six hundred. Fifty two. Fifty two hundred. Yeah. And only four four hundred and twelve.
3: Four hundred and twelve out of twenty nine thousand.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I I tell you what, I I, um, the trend I see, I see us getting houses at uh, at at a later, um, uh, you know, first-time homebuyers coming in at a later, um,
4: later point in later their lives. Of life. In
0: their yeah. lives, but I'm seeing that across. We're seeing that across the board. We're we're seeing um, that the idea of home ownership is a permanence type of thing. And and even folks that could afford to actually purchase a house, they don't want to, they look at a house as, as roots, putting up roots, you know. And so until they're absolutely sure that they are going to make Bloomington their home, uh, they won't buy a house. And so we're looking at the 25 to 35-year-olds that uh even though they they can they can afford it uh they they they're not doing it until they absolutely have to that
3: age group is still pretty transient
0: yes yes right
2: and, Pro- and probably more today than before oh yeah. it seems that you know you're you're constantly switching jobs and moving communities where before you were kind of located where you were mm-hmm. yeah they're not ready to to you know that
0: they're not ready to settle down per se until they absolutely have to um, and and so, so retention, retention right. of right. of that not just African Americans and not just, uh, um, uh, just, just retention of that age bracket that is another problem that we're having. You know, they got they're they're making the money and they're like, ah, is this going to be my home? So we we as a community have got to do a better job of. Of, uh, of keeping them
5: here.
3: Well, Tim, you look like a 20 to 35-year-old. Uh, <laughs> are, are you pretty much settled here in Bloomington?
5: Hey, first of all, William, I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> I'm hanging in my high 30s, uh, at least for another two years. Um, yeah, you know, talking about you, you know, what, what Don, Don's been doing for almost 30 years, what he's kind of brought me in, um, and what we've done together for the past uh, three years, you know, yeah, knowing how pivotal home ownership is um, in, in the scope of one's life in the scope of one's family life. Um, so I, I, I do own a home. Uh, ironically, I bought back the first house I ever owned down here, uh, three houses later. Um, so things kind of came full circle in that realm. But, you know, in working with, uh, the, again, a vast client base that we have, um, speaking to the rental side of things, um, that's part of the, one of the main reasons we started our off-campus housing agency, um, just again, realizing we were going to address something that nobody else was. And, and that was, uh, you know, tenant placement, where you've got 415 realtors out there, um, you know, great people, you know, all doing great things for home ownership. Um, you know, you go to any realtor in town asking them about how many tenants are you placing, well, the fact of the matter is, there's more money on the residential, commercial investment side of buying and selling properties. Right. Um, we came up with with the off-campus housing notion to re- to, to meet a need, um, and that's really evolved, and that's kind of our connection with uh, Deborah and Amber, into realizing um, you know the greater need, which is you know a home, a house, an apartment. Um, we we all all know what the homelessness issue is, you know, in this city and growing, you know, exponentially. Um, so I think, yeah, those numbers, you know, William, that you shared are, yeah, speaking to a, a much larger, you know, systemic, um, you know, uh, issue that
2: the whole community is 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 a part of and, and needing to collaborate to address. I have two questions. Uh, one, what is the difference between public housing and Section Eight? And two, as we were talking a little while ago. What is the income level that's considering low income?
4: I can answer that question. Uh, So public housing is a program in which the Bloomington Housing Authority, we own and operate those units. So we have 310 public housing units from one to five bedrooms in which the tenants pay 30% of their adjusted monthly income towards rent, which includes the utilities. We also have a lot of uh, supportive services within the community. We have a food pantry, computer lab with Wi-Fi access. Um, We had a senior meal program. We have a Head Start facility, all those types of things we offer to our residents. The voucher program is a subsidy program that helps uh, pay Uh, rental subsidies on the private market. So a family that is income eligible and qualifies for the voucher program receives that, goes out to the private market and tries to find a landlord that has a vacancy and will rent to the family within the payment standard. That family pays 30% of their adjusted monthly income and the housing authority makes up the difference. So let's say the rent that's being asked by the landlord is $800, but the family can only afford $300 based on their 30% adjusted monthly income. So the housing authority pays a housing assistance payment or HAP of $500 makes up the difference. So is there
3: a cap on what you would pay?
4: There is a cap on payment standards, yes. And those are based on fair market rents. We can set our payment standards between uh, 90% to 110% of the fair market rents. Okay.
2: And what's that income level for people to qualify for those programs?
4: For the public housing program, uh, families eligible if they are at 80% of the area median income or below. So for instance, a family of four would earn $55,600 or below to qualify for public housing. For the voucher program, it's more strict. It's 50% of the area median income or below. So for a family of four to be eligible for a voucher at Um, Their annual income could not exceed $34,750. So all of those are posted on our websites. Um, There's income limits that are determined by HUD for our particular county. They often change annually. Um, These just came out a couple months ago.
3: You know, Don, um, before the uh, housing crash of 2008-2009, do you know if there is a difference and 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 how the black community was affected uh with regard to the num the number of uh numbers of home ownership versus what it is now
0: uh, honestly i i don't um I, I didn't yeah that's a man you always <laughs> have these questions and I try to get prepared i'm like i got I gotta meet with william today
3: and I'm not prepared for that one okay let let me try to help you out okay. um, you know, for the black community, since we don't own very many businesses, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have uh, very much land that's passed down to us. Uh, so what ends up happening is the overwhelming majority of our wealth is concentrated, It's tied, our it's tied to our, our homes.
0: Absolutely,
3: And a large number of, of uh, the black community was wiped out by that 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 crash yeah and and unfortunately housing i mean
0: yeah you you, you, yeah unfortunately uh the we weren't in our neighborhoods in our core neighborhoods that we lived in we couldn't hold on to those houses can you not hear me couldn't hold on to those houses and when the market reverted back to you know, a positive, a positive flow. Those neighborhoods were bought low, and now they are just hopping. They they're are gentrified. They're gentrified, right? and here's the thing: it's in in a small community like ours. Um, you know, gentrification just doesn't happen in large cities that have African, just you know, African American uh, neighborhoods that are downtown. Uh, in in small towns like ours, um it's the it's also the working class. They'll start with the African American neighborhood that becomes gentrified, and then it works around the working class neighborhoods too. so it it's it it ends up not even being a racial thing. It ends up being a socioeconomic thing. Yeah. And now you've got these houses that were. And, and, and these are the walkable neighborhoods that <coughs> that are that that we talk about all the time. Like you know, uh, like they're the greatest thing ever. They're the greatest thing since white bread. And before we could we could go back ten years, and those neighborhoods were neighborhoods that people would avoid. Sixth uh, Street near North si- uh, 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 uh near North Side, Sixth Street, Fifth Street. 9th Street Park, all those things, you know, eleven hundred square foot bungalow, um, those are going from anywhere from two twenty five to two hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Eleven hundred square feet, two bedrooms and one bath. These are houses that uh, before were you know fifty thousand, forty thousand, and we just ten years just, ago. Just yes. And and, uh, and then when then you know it started with Prospect Hills, another that was a working class neighborhood, you know. And now there's you know the same houses, you know. You're you're still talking two seventy eight four hundred thousand for something great, you know. Uh, t- let's let's talk about Tim's house. You don't mind me using your as an ex- as an example,
3: okay? I sold Tim. Well, we already outed him on the. Age, so. i talk. I'm going to talk
0: about <laughs> Tim's God, house, okay? <laughs> so. The house I sold Tim, okay, when Tim was a customer of mine, was on the a, near it's on A Street, right, West A Street. I, how much did you buy it for?
5: Ninety-two thousand. Was it
0: ninety-two? Oh my gosh. Okay. So, how many years ago?
5: Three.
0: Three years ago, ninety-two thousand dollars. How much money did you put into it, Tim?
5: About
0: twenty-five.
3: Twenty-five. This was a renovations. African-
0: yeah, twenty five thousand renovations. This house was uh, owned by an African American family for you know seventy plus years. Wow. Okay, mm-hmm. so we sold it for you, 90, so ninety two thousand. He put twenty five into it. How much did you sell it for him?
5: It's okay. It's a, it, I only say this because numbers are numbers and data is data, and I'm a data-driven person. Um, but I sold it for two two hundred seventy-four thousand dollars in January of eighteen. In three, three, years. Years. In three years. years. Three years. <laughs> and so that, and again, I I, I appreciate I, Don highlighting I, that for me. I told me. him it was going to happen. So,
0: but that, that's but you right. He made the choice. He made the wise choice in doing it. But I'm saying that is imagine that this is a house that. Was a hundred thousand dollars, ninety-two thousand. He put twenty-five into it. Sold it for two hundred and seventy-something thousand. The gentleman that um, that bought it, I was at an event with him, and he said, "Hey, I'm putting ninety thousand dollars into that." He's putting ninety thousand dollars he's probably listening. he's putting ninety thousand dollars into that house he just bought,
2: and ten years ago he could have bought two of them that's right oh, raised right. and,
3: and, and what's he going to sell it for though in, in exactly, three more years exactly. And,
5: exactly honestly i you know that was the market three months ago I, mean, I told my wife this ongoing conversation to me I mean I would have put it on even even over three hundred thousand but again I, I you know then on the flip side of this you know again i'm I'm you know, made, made made the choice, Don helped guide us there. But it, it again, the larger issue is, as I've talked to my wife, I have a five and a four-year-old. We couldn't afford that same neighborhood right now. We couldn't. We invested, the investment paid off, but we couldn't be that's back true. there. And that's the part that, you know, again, this is an ongoing conversation that Don and I and, and our collective team at Griffin Realty, we, we, we have the ongoing conversation. Yeah, we it's a strong sellers market, sure. Investments are being made and there's there's large investments that are paying off for a lot of people. But but the bigger issue, the larger, much more systemic, you know, view we have to take is yeah, I see a lot of these buyer clients of ours, the one Don highlighted a little while ago in Sherwood Oaks. That's 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 me. That's that's me and my kids trying to fight tooth and nail to just get into a neighborhood and get not even to a neighborhood, a home. You know, Don talked a few weeks back about we went from getting great deals to good deals to deals now we're just trying to buy houses for people for yeah, people it's crazy
2: now what do what are our lower income people especially in the black community what would you recommend or how would you recommend they prepare themselves for home ownership now okay and, and, and honestly the, the the talk to me talk,
0: talk to me talk to you uh, get a hold of a professional and you know we're we're talking, and I, I got to be careful because it's my job to tell you the the negatives. I mean, that's kind of what I do. I want you to think about what you're doing when 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 we sell houses, we, we're not really selling houses, we're educating people. So I'm kind of giving you the doom, doom, and gloom, but really if you if you go for it, there's a way to you know, there's a way to make a plan and to, uh, uh, and to find you a house. Uh, and, and, you know, and sometimes, sometimes a house isn't buying a house is not, if you're only going to be here for two years, maybe it's not a, well, I take that back with this market, <laughs> you buy a house, <laughs> right? You buy a house and and, and in two years, you're going to be at the rate that things are going. And I see it continuing to go up because there's not enough inventory. Uh, Uh, you need to talk to talk to a professional and we can work it out even if your credit is bad we can set you up with someone who will work with your credit and get you to a place it might be six months it might be four months it might be a whole year but they can get us they can get you to a place where uh uh where you're able to buy a house
3: so amber um actually this is something that all of you can answer but i want to start with amber Uh, And the uh, Housing Choice Voucher Program, Mm -hmm. is it easier in the county than it is within the city limits for uh, clients to find uh, an affordable home?
4: Well, that's a good question, and I don't have a very direct answer for it. I know our payment standards would be more competitive out in the county just because the rents that some of those property owners are asking are probably lower um, than what they would be within the city. But the amount of available units in the county, they just don't have quite the built environment for <coughs> rentals that the city would have.
3: Plus, uh, that would also present uh, maybe transportation problems. So, uh, mm-hmm. since it's a little yeah. bit more isolated, okay. uh, uh, childcare
1: issues.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be Which, a little more isolated to job opportunities if someone's going back to school. Um, those types of those types of issues.
2: Has there been any talk in the county about? Making some changes, infrastructures we kind of talked about yes. earlier. Uh, I don't know if they've been talking about it, but we've
0: been talking about it. Um, mm-hmm. our, our pro- we can't keep putting the pressure all on Bloomington, you know, and saying, you know, Bloomington, we've got to create more affordable housing. I mean, mm-hmm. land cost, development land cost, are, are, are they're, they're so high that, um, and there's very few Land, there's very uh, little land left for brand new developments. Um, we've got to open up the county. The county has got to change their zoning, um, their, their zoning ordinance. There's just there's not enough. Um, uh, they're, they're not allowing enough density per lot, and that's why we're not getting a lot of development happening uh, out, outside of the city limits and so we're you know that's causing um that's causing the problem with with not, not having enough houses cuz there's mm-hmm. there's ha- there's very little new starts right now as far as uh, af- housing in general, not just affordable housing, but just housing in general.
3: Do you think it would be better for the county to go ahead and be proactive about that rather than to wait until the issue is knocking at their door?
0: It's already. Yes. I mean, it's been knocking it's for knocking. years. Mm-hmm. Am I right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. Is there also is there a shortage of uh, developers and construction workers?
0: I don't know about construction workers, but um, you know, and I think. Uh, you know uh, a lot of our a lot of our most successful developers um, if I look back 20 thirty years those guys they started off as just landowners farmers and landowners that had an idea and some of our our our, our best neighborhoods uh, uh, you know they, they were farmland before this new this this new generation um, are, are they're not given the same opportunity Um I was talking to, um, yeah, they're not given the same opportunity. Their land is; they they have to, you know, give it to family members. But if it could be developed, it could help. They could make some money, and it mm-hmm. also could provide some uh, housing for folks. What do you What do you think? I mean,
2: and that could be rental or individual houses. But we've got about two minutes left, so we'd like to get a last word from everyone. So we're going to start with Amber.
4: I just want to encourage uh, folks who are interested in our programs or just what we do at the housing authority to visit our website it's a great tool to learn uh, a lot of detail it's www.bhaindiana.net you can also call our office if you're interested in applying for our programs or want to just learn more and our phone number is 812-339-3491 and my direct extension is 124 if anyone out there um, just has some questions or wants to talk with someone one on one. feel free to reach out.
5: Tim I mean, uh, yeah, just again, in terms of you know providing the resources, uh, as Don said, you know, um, any of us in our team, at Griffin Realty, uh, would love to talk to anyone and everyone to kind of help them put a put a plan together for, for housing, for home ownership. Um, our off-campus housing agency, com, is another great resource. We've got over 7,000 rental units. We do free searches all the time for renters out there struggling to find something. And within that website, we've got a resources tab that links you to what we'll be adding, which is um, the housing for Hoosiers that Deborah talked about earlier. So again, any way we can try to connect um, you know, housing two individuals. Um, those are some great s- resources to start with.
0: And Don, the last word. Oh man. No, I just want to thank you guys for, uh, all you do and making this happen. And, uh, I learned a lot today, so I appreciate it.
3: You know, one solution to addressing this problem is going to be forming new partnerships. And, uh, we may have started one here today between, uh, Griffin Realty and, uh, and and Syho.
0: Oh no, there are people. We we we're already, we're already <laughs> friends. We're already friends. We're already yeah.
3: We're, work work with know. me yeah. here, Don. Work oh, okay.
0: with me.
2: <laughs> sorry, man. So you about to get a symphony going, brother?
3: <laughs>
4: <on> <laughs> our friendship could be stronger. Right? Okay. Yeah, thank you. you. And
2: often. you have made that happen. <laughs> <laughs>
3: on that note, we want to thank our guests for their views and perspectives on affordable housing in Bloomington. Joining us were. Donald Griffin and Tim Ballard, both from Griffin Realty. Uh, Don is also president of the Redevelopment Commission. We also want to thank Amber Scoby, executive director of the Bloomington Housing Authority, and Deborah Meyerson, executive director of South Central Indiana Housing Opportunities.
2: Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is On at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community. Here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at wfhb.org. Our show's
3: producer is Clarence Boone with help from WFHB News Department Director Wes Martin. Our board engineer is Chris Martin. Our original theme music was created by Jamil F.M. with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm William Hosea.
2: And I'm Cornelius Wright. Tune in next Monday, May 21st at 6 p.m. to bring it on for another exciting show right here on your community radio station, WFHB.